0: If you are currently wanting to get personalized advice to support you with your nutrition and hormones, the best place to start is for you to book in a complimentary consultation. In this 15-minute consultation, we will discuss your current health goals, what you can expect from consultations, and we cover any questions that you may have. If you're happy to go ahead, we book in a time for your initial consultation, but equally, if you need a little time to think about it, that is perfectly okay too. To book in a complimentary consultation, simply head over to selennedouglas.com forward slash links and navigate to the book section. Alternatively, you will also find the booking link in the show notes on this episode. We hope to meet you
1: very soon.
0: Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm super excited to share this episode with you. It is a conversation that I had with another amazing nutritionist, Catherine Hay, and we're talking all about endometriosis. And I really, really loved this conversation and episode that I got to record with Catherine because she was just really, really open in sharing a lot about her own personal journey with endometriosis, which is a lot of what we're going to talk about today. And also, The mental health aspects, which we don't often talk about, you know, in podcasts and as practitioners, we're often looking to what we can directly help someone with. And it's easy to forget about that person in front of you and how something like endometriosis is actually really deeply affecting and detracting from their quality of life And that's really what this episode was about, an insight into what it's actually like to have endometriosis um, and Catherine's journey, where she's at right now and what she's thinking ahead for the future as well. So she was so, so, so open and giving in sharing her story. Uh, And I hope that if you have endometriosis, you, um, yeah, probably enjoy listening to this um and if you don't maybe you'll share this episode with someone who does all right let's jump in hi Catherine welcome to the show
1: thank you for having me I'm excited I've had you on my show
0: and I now know. I'm on your show I know I'm excited we had a few hiccups with getting here today both ends but we've gotten here which is exciting
1: we did thank god good <laughs> <Friday>
0: afternoon um, <laughs> Today we're chatting all about endo, endometriosis, and um, this is a topic that I know is very near and dear to you as um, you also have endometriosis, so you're going to take us through a bit around your journey, which I think is its always great, I think, as a clinician when you've got that first-hand experience, um, because I do think you're able to relate to your clients at a much deeper level and really understand the struggles that they're going through. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think that client practitioner relationship um, is really, really important in the success of their treatment plan and outcomes as well. So I think that's yes. amazing that you've got that insight. Yes. Um So as we get into the episode, I'd love if you could just beforehand tell us a bit about you, your clinic, it's grown um, recently in terms of practitioners. So yeah, I'd love to hear all about you.
1: Okay, perfect. Well, thanks for having me. Um, like you said, endo is very um, endometriosis is very close to my heart because I was recently diagnosed last year. But I'll jump into that um, shortly. But I'm a clinical nutritionist like yourself, and I have an online clinic called Captured Nutrition with um, naturopaths and nutritionists working under the Captured Nutrition umbrella, which is really exciting. So we've got a team. Now, and we all specialize in different areas or, you know, we support people in different areas of health, which I think is really nice. So you've got that team um, combined care for our for our mm-hmm. clients as well. So I've got a real interest in all things gut health, uh, reproductive health, so hormones, fertility, preconception care and pregnancy and beyond. Um, it all started with the gut many, many years ago when I uh, first finished my degree and then I'm also a mother so you go through the whole preconception fertility journey um pregnancy postpartum and that really opened up my eyes to to wanting to further study in in those areas too and then recently with my most recent health diagnosis endometriosis popped up and um that again has led me to study more and really kind of specialize in in these really chronic i guess health conditions that mm-hmm. you know affect menstruators um, that aren't necessarily easy to treat they're chronic and they really can impact um, a person's life so that's a little bit about me um but i think when we're looking at you know health in general and that holistic approach i think that's what i'm really passionate in my clinic too is really holding my patient's hand and guiding through their whole health journey because In the conventional system, um, you know, it's a quick 15-minute appointment, here's a script, see you later, Um, no one's really listening Mm -hmm. Um, and there's not many options available. So I think, you know, yourself included, we really give our clients that that patient care, they're heard, they're seen um, on such a different level to that conventional system as well. So I'm really passionate about keeping health simple attainable and realistic um and I never prescribe or do anything that doesn't resonate with my clients because it's always a team a team effort and you know we're there to guide them with the education um to support them in their health goals so that's my my big spiel love it yeah it's I always say like you've got to think about what
0: any practitioner has in their toolkit to offer you um whether it's time what kind of supplements they can offer you or medications referrals to other practitioners and they're obviously very valid in a lot of ways but you know going to see your general practitioner what they've got to offer you for the most part is medications or a referral to somebody else who may or may not have a different option available for you and a very very short appointment time i think usually 15 minutes is probably a stretch. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Um, cool. Well, I guess as a kind of intro into today's topic, um, endometriosis, I'd love for you to kind of just set the stage generally as to, you know, what it is and what are those signs and symptoms, and then maybe starting to go into, I guess, your journey and kind of what prompted you to start looking into it further
1: yeah absolutely great. so I guess endo is is a chronic health disease and it's multifactorial, so it affects many different other systems of the body and it's estrogen dependent disease as well and that varies across um, everyone there's no strict rules here with endo, and I think that's something that we have to always. Have in the back of our heads when when we're treating our endometriosis patients and clients. So, endo is characterized by the growth of endometrial-like tissue in the extrauterine sites. So, essentially, instead of it being inside the uterus, it can be found on the bladder, the bowels, ovaries, pouch of Douglas—you name it—it can be on the lungs, it can be down in leg tissue, it can be absolutely anywhere. And I think with endo, there is specific characteristics that we often forget, which is, you know, the, the chronic inf- inflammation of tissue. It's tissue proliferation. Um, we get fibrosis of the tissue. Um, we get tissue migration invasion as well. Um, it's, there's localised and systemic dysbiosis, so imbalances of bacteria. Um, it's immune dysregulation um, and it's tissue that is capable of aromatase, which I just find so fascinating Um, which basically means it's producing its own estrogen. So I just feel when we're looking at those characteristics, you can already see how many different areas of chronic inflammation it it impacts. So that's what leads us to those those typical signs and symptoms. And what I want to say here when we're going through the signs and symptoms, these are common, but they're not limited to either. There are so many different degrees of um, signs and symptoms with endo sufferers. Some can have zero symptoms and have only... Diagnosed with endometriosis on laparoscopy because of potential infertility, and I I can get into those stats um, in a little bit because I find them again really interesting um, being in the space. But when we're looking at the signs and symptoms of um, endo, one of the most common common ones is dysmenorrhea, so painful periods. Majority of the endo um, clients that I treat in clinic, pain is their most significant. Um, sign and symptom, and which can obviously be extremely debilitating. Having that every single month, um, menorrhagia, so heavy, prolonged bleeding. Um, and again, we always want to address how much blood is being lost and what that looks like in terms of you know um, sanitary or period care items and how many they're going through, so we can assess the heavy uh, menstrual bleeding. Uh, painful intercourse is another one. Chronic pelvic pain, IBS, constipation, diarrhea dominant. Um, pain associated with bowel movements and urination, rectal pain, infertility, fatigue, anxiety and depression is a big one I wanted to touch on today because of the impact it has on an individual's quality of life throughout the month as well. So I guess they're the main signs and symptoms that we often hear about and there are definitely um, others as well. But, um, yeah, I can't remember what else you said at the end of your question. (laughs) That's perfect.
0: There's yeah, it's obviously so widespread and goes to show, um, you know, the effect I guess that it's having throughout the whole body and the fact that it can produce its own estrogen is obviously fascinating for a number of different reasons, because then we can go into sort of, I guess the spider web that that can take you on when you look at all sorts of things that, um, estrogen can take you down as well. So yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Um, Yeah, so in terms of symptoms, I guess what I was wondering in your personal sort of um, story, what were, I guess, some of those things that highlighted to you that further investigation was needed? And also I'd love to hear a bit about, you know, how easy or difficult it might've been to actually get that diagnosis as well, because that can be quite a challenge. Sometimes, you know, what I hear a lot in clinic is I had an ultrasound and my doctor said, I didn't have any endometriosis and kind of like, then that woman, if she's not going on to chat to anyone else, you know, in her mind, that's kind of a done deal, no endometriosis Mm. present, which as we know, isn't always the case. Yeah, I'd love if you could delve into all of that.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And it's a really interesting path with my journey. So from the get-go, when I first um, got my period, I was always always had painful bleeds, never heavy, just painful. So naturally, as a 14-year-old girl, I was prescribed the oral contraceptive pill and took that for a number of years. Um, It wasn't until I started... An naturopathy degree back when I was 18, 19, that I, you know, started to learn about the body and I thought, okay, you know, the pill's not for me, came off the pill. Um, then I was prescribed the rod in the arm and, again, when that was put in, within three months I had major cysts bursting on my ovaries which would end me in hospital in so much pain so the rod was removed. Um, Then I started getting, you know, migraines with aura. So the pill and a lot of those um, hormonal devices were not an option for me, but the pain was still significant. Um, So it wasn't, I just thought that was me. I just thought, okay, I've got really bad, painful periods. I have to take, you know, eight to 10 different types of pain medication every single month. And that's what I was doing. I was doing that for years, for years until I basically finished my degree and then I started, you know, learning more about period pain and trying to help myself, but I could never get on top of the period pain. It just wasn't working with any type of natural medicine I, um, you know, I sought after. Fast forward to me trying for a baby. So this, again, was really interesting I just assumed, you know, we'd have sex a few times and we'd be pregnant. Um, it took me 12 months to conceive my daughter, Sunny, before I, um, it was around the 11 month mark we got to, and I was like, okay, I think something's off. Like some, mm-hmm. I think something's really off here. Just, I was doing everything, you know, all the things for preconception care. i worked on my gut extensively all the things um so i had contacted a fertility specialist um and had potentially was potentially going to ask for a laparoscopy not i I didn't believe i had endo um back then but i just thought okay that's my next step anyway next month later i fall pregnant with sunny and it's all forgotten um i got my first period back when sunny was about five months postpartum pain-free. I thought, oh my gosh, this is incredible. This is the new me. I'm so excited. (laughs) But the heaviness to this bleed was astronomical. I'd never Mm -hmm. experienced heavy menstrual blood flow before. And I just thought, okay, this is probably normal, normal postpartum. Let's just keep going. And then it was probably my fifth cycle in the pain returned and it was excruciating. The blood flow kept increasing. The menorrhagia was just, again, absolutely a debilitating where I couldn't leave the house because I just soak through tampons, pads, menstrual underwear, you name it. I'd be at the store and I'd have blood all over the back of me and I, I wouldn't know. Um and I just thought, this is not right. I really thought, okay, I'm going to book a, an appointment with my GP. I said to my GP, I suspect I have endometriosis and I had to advocate for myself. Mm. You know, like you said, when so many people go, they have an ultrasound and they go, okay, no endo can't be seen and you have to advocate for yourself to keep that conversation going with other specialists, right? And if you don't feel comfortable, you, it, it's going to be really hard and those challenges will come as, as roadblocks to advocate for yourself. So I said to my GP, I'm not leaving here without a referral for a gynecologist who specialises in an endo excision surgery because I just knew in my heart of hearts I had endometriosis. So within a month um, I saw the surgeon. Um, he did a internal ultrasound and could see um, on the left side of my uterus there was something going on. He goes, I can't exactly say what it is, but I'm definitely going to perform a laparoscopy. And I said, good, because I wasn't leaving here without you opening me up. I'm, I'm having this surgery. Um, and then it was July last year, so July 2020, I went in for my laparoscopy. And it's scary because you don't know what you're going to be faced with on the other side of that mm. surgery. You have no idea. So there's a lot of anxiety, I guess, going into that. But I knew I ticked every single box, every single sign and symptom box. Dysbiosis, chronic constipation has been my whole life story. You know, issues with estrogen dependence, you know, the heavy menstrual bleeding and all of that. Um, the painful bleeds so I knew I'd have endo I just knew but I wasn't quite sure how prolific it would have been Um, and that's when I woke up from my surgery after laparoscopy and I had the most chronic stage four endometriosis deep infiltrating prolific endometriosis attached to every site you can basically possibly imagine um and fibroids as well so i had those removed i had um the excision surgery to remove the lesions as well and I am. What are we? I'm coming into eight months post-laparoscopy and I have seen no change in my signs and symptoms apart from reducing of heavy menstrual flow. Mm -hmm. So that's what's quite, you know, when we look at endo and how chronic or how minute these signs and symptoms are, a lot of the time Endo sufferers go into a laparoscopy thinking, great, this is the end of everything. All my signs and symptoms, my quality of life is going to come back. And it's just not the case for some of us and mm-hmm. myself being one of them. I actually feel in my heart of hearts, there's still more endo in me. And I'm actually going to um, seek out another specialist's opinion. And I would actually go through another laparoscopy to see if there is still endometrial-like tissues somewhere else because I don't believe I should be in this much pain, and the pain is actually getting progressively worse. Mm-hmm. Um, my last period was the worst pain I've ever had in my entire menstruating life, um, and I took, you know, fourteen all that fourteen pain tab- pain relief tablets in the course of five days, and I have never done that. And as a holistic health practitioner. You know, it's devastating because I know what mm. that's doing to so the gut microbiome and everything else. is that big ripple effect. But just to get through the day, I couldn't. I couldn't. So I had to take um, pain medication to support myself and my quality of life. So I'm a little bit disheartened. You know, you, you get this. And I think with endo as well, it ebbs and flows. You might have a really good month and you, okay, I need to replicate whatever happened in that month for the next coming months. And you do. But then all of a sudden, you you get these signs and symptoms yeah. And feel so weird. Mm-hmm. yeah so it's been um I guess on a personal level um it's been a really challenging space to be in because I still am not happy with where I'm at in terms of my endometriosis yeah
0: and going back to what you said just before were you in that camp where you were thinking you know obviously it's not going to be fixed but you were expecting to get really great improvements from that laparoscopy
1: Absolutely. Because he told me I was stage four and he had a great success rate of the excision um, surgery. I thought, great. Even if, you know, my pain's reduced by half, it's going to significantly impact my quality of life. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And I was kind of led to believe that would happen. And because of how great the surgery went, um, and, you know, I'm obviously so across mm-hmm. endo as a, a chronic disease and a, and I didn't want to go in with those preconceived ideas and go, okay, you know, this is going to be my story. But, you know, you kind of do. You kind of think, okay, well, you had a really successful surgery. You told me all about it. I saw the photos. Maybe this will change my my picture moving forward. But
0: I f- And you want to have hope as well. I mean, it's yeah. hard, right? I think you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because Absolutely. you do want to have hope. And then I think also... Whilst you always want to, you always important to set realistic expectations, and we always know with health we can't make any promises because people are so there's so much variation in individual individuality, person to person. You also want your client, I think, or patient to have hope as well. So it's it's so hard.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. I I see so many endo patients in clinic. And I see all their symptoms starting to dissipate or change, you know, with all the help that we're doing. And obviously I'm so elated and I can see their quality of life returning. I can see the joy coming back into their everyday life because they're not stressed and worried and not in pain. And then when you think about yourself as the practitioner, (laughs) why isn't this happening for me?
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 And that's part of the reason why you're seeking a second opinion
1: exactly yeah. yeah I'm not happy um and I yeah I I like I said when I get that strong gut feeling I just have to act on it so yeah. that is something that I will be doing this year just to see if there's anything else going on because I, I definitely feel like there is for sure
0: yeah yeah and I think that's a great message take home message for everyone like when you're not happy get a second opinion um comes back to you know obviously being told you do or don't from an ultrasound is not definitive either. Like you need a second opinion, you need more information. Um, But even when you feel like you do have an answer, if you're not happy with it and it doesn't sit right, get a second opinion always.
1: Absolutely. And I think with the disease, because it is so prolific, you know, if you're not putting in those management techniques Mm. and strategies that obviously you and I will go through today, you have a much higher risk of having numerous laparoscopies to, try and decrease those signs and symptoms Um, but there's only so many times you want to be putting your body through that invasive surgery also so I think that's also really important to note. you know you want to get your second opinions but you also open yourself up to more surgeries more exploration but it's risk versus benefit analysis I think all the time with our with our endo clients as well
0: yeah yeah for sure for sure um
1: what's it like
0: for you having endo and I guess it not improving in the way that you expect and and even just managing it like each month when you are if, or if you are having a flare like you obviously still have so many commitments you know you have a daughter you have a clinic you have clients all of that like what is that like for you and, and I guess talk us through kind of like the mindset and the, the mental health hurdles mm-hmm. that you go through
1: yeah perfect um Each month for me, I withdraw and I have extreme anxiety. I'll be completely honest because I never know quite what I'm going to get. I'm not sure if I'm going to be, you know, flooding through tampons. I'm extremely fatigued um, and brain fog. And again, I have to really keep up with iron and we'll go into, you know, Mm the other issues with um, menorrhagia as well. Um, But anxiety is a huge one for me. I don't leave the house on days one to two. It's just absolutely no go because I know... I'm going to either flood or I'm going to feel really uncomfortable because I know what's going on in terms of my flow. And this is hard. Like even the other day I took Sunny to the beach and I was on day three and I was feeling pretty confident to leave the house. And I was like, okay, I'm going to the beach, I'm going to wear a tampon and, in that space of literally forty five minutes of me getting to the beach, unpacking all the stuff I knew had flooded through the tampon, and usually day three i'm I'm pretty okay with that, but again, I just wasn't sure what I was going to get, so it there was blood everywhere, you know, and I was like, do I change a tampon here? What do I do? I've got my daughter. I can't leave her here. You know, all these little mm-hmm. things that just impact you. And um I just packed up the car, went home and didn't leave the house again. So I feel really housebound um, while I have my period because again, I can't I can't wear the clothes I'd want to wear. I just I just don't know. So housebound is one, then I get anxiety because exercise and doing all those incredible things really bring me joy and I withdraw from all of those. Um, the pain is horrific um, you know I'm waiting for naprogesic to kick in I'm waiting for panadol to kick in I'm using my heat pads. I'm pumping myself for curcumin and PEA and all, all the natural things that we use for endometriosis as well um, to support myself and I, and I always think is it just going to be one day of pain this month please be one day of pain because I can get through that but then for instance, like this last bleed, it was, you know, three to four days of pain and I just, it just really rocked me. And it impacts my relationship because I withdraw. Um, I still show up every single day to my clients and I'm really lucky that I work from home so I have my own office in my home and if I do flood through or need to take panadol you know I've got all of that here and sanitary items that I can use and quickly run to if I need to uh, I would actually be really scared to work outside mm-hmm. of the home in the state that I am in at the moment which is which is awful to do that every single month so I I really support myself with the tools um during that time when I'm bleeding and I just know this is this is just a few days that I have to get through. And then it's like my body releases. And then when I'm on the other side of that bleed, I'm back. I'm very fortunate that I don't experience pain on any other phase of the menstrual cycle. It's purely just with the bleed. Um, I have no ovulation pain. I have no breakthrough bleeding. I have no PMS signs and symptoms because obviously I'm doing such significant work um, Mm -hmm. with all of that. Um, But and, I, and I'm really grateful for that but it's the actual bleed itself that yeah it really really impacts my mental health for sure
0: yeah it's super hard it's yeah. I mean and I mean you say it's only a couple of days but it's not really because it's also the anticipation and even just having two or three even one to three days every single month knowing that that's going to happen it's still a lot like if you did the math on that throughout obviously you menstruating years um it's a lot and it is a huge mental health toll we're obviously having this chat before we started recording because you know better than anyone else what that is like because Mm -hmm. you're experiencing it and I think um it's really important as practitioners to remember that and I guess keep that in the forefront of your mind because it's very easy to kind of turn up to your appointments and be like, here's your plan. All right. On your merry way. See you in a a month. I'll see you in two months or whatever your kind of um, yeah. Treatment plan is um, and not really putting yourself in the shoes of that client and kind of what they're going through on a month to month basis and how that's impacting their life. And I mean, it's impressive that you're even able to show up and turn up to your clients on days like that, mm. albeit in the home. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot.
1: I think having that empathy um, for my endo clients, I think that's where we build that rapport. Like you were mentioning earlier on in the episode, um, they understand they trust me with their health when it comes mm. to endometriosis because they are—they know I have an understanding of what they're going through emotionally, mm. and I think that's the biggest thing. Because you know, you hear about period pain, and you're like, okay, that's fine, but with many endo sufferers, it's so, so, so chronic mm. that if you haven't experienced yourself, it's really hard to know what that feels like. And it, sure. it, it's—I feel like period. Some of my chronic period pain is worse than labor pain yeah yeah so So, so there you go that really yeah that I have experienced
0: and that was next level
1: yeah And you know, with labor, it might last a few days, but you get this awesome reward afterwards. You just, you know, mm. with endometriosis pain, you're like, okay, great, I finished my bleed, and now I just wait for the next cycle. <laughs> mm, yeah. So that's how a lot of my clients have um, described the pain too. Like, it, you know, in the, in those throes of labor, that pain can be so significant. Those contractions, and and we can experience that too with endometriosis.
0: Yeah, it's. Yeah. Yeah, it's honestly, like, unfathomable that you have to go through that every month. Um, And it's just, yeah, it's so different. And obviously, as well, like you mentioned, some women, it's not just a couple of days. It's, like, can be two weeks Mm. sometimes out of each cycle. And then sometimes they're obviously going through more of the, um, they might have, like, pain with intercourse, Mm -hmm. um, even air quotes, IBS, not that we would obviously term it that, but that's what it'll be looked um, at as and, yeah, even things like pain with urination. So it's essentially, I mean, it is a a chronic pain condition Um, and I think, you know, obviously you're in a bit of a different situation because you've got your own business, but I think women or people with endometriosis should have more time off work they should have more sick days honestly because it's it's different yeah it's it's not it's just not the same
1: (laughs) yeah and what I love it there's endo often gets described as a wound that doesn't heal right Right. like in those um ectopic tissue sites Mm. and just imagine if you had a, a wound on your arm that wasn't healing, it would turn gangrenous and you'd have to get an amputated mm. and you know, you know I always look at this if it was somewhere else in the body that we could physically see, we would never allow it to get that bad. but we you know with endo it's like we it's, it's a little bit about out of our control too because of aromatase like I was saying before yeah. because of the drivers of endo and because of those characteristics and that chronic inflammation picture it's it's really hard. Um it's really hard to know exactly how long endo is going to be in our in our health picture for yeah and i i I struggle with it when clients come in and just say you know they're at their end, you know hysterectomies are being offered to them mm. by going we know that's that doesn't treat endometriosis, you know, and then I've got clients who only have one day of the cycle pain free, and all these you know these' these young people who haven't even had children yet that want to have children, but they're like, "I am done, I am tapped out, I'll have a hysterectomy, I can't even fathom my life mm. with with what's going on, and like I said before, we know a hysterectomy is not the answer to endometriosis, so it's really hard when you've got so many aspects, and that spectrum of endo is massive, absolutely mm. massive, yeah, mm.
0: yeah, 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 and then of course, you've got other people who don't even experience pain. I've had that um. In some of my clients, where it's really only been found because there has been that um fertility challenge, and they've been sent for, we'll just do a laparoscopy, check for anything structural, and you know, do a tube flush while we're there, all of that, and then well, this endo has been found, which yeah, just goes to show there's obviously so much diversity in terms of how it's going to present person to person. I'd love to segue, I guess, into the drivers. Um, of endo and and you know i hate sort of saying causes but more so i guess things that might exacerbate it and then i guess segueing into from a foundational perspective like what we can be doing and then maybe even going into kind of like what you tend to do um Mm -hmm. to manage yours
1: yeah, absolutely. I think we have to note, you know, we have to talk about estrogen because yeah. you know we know that's one of, it's not the cause of endo by any means, but it's one of the major um drivers of endometrial and because of that high expression of aromatase activity, like I said before, meaning the tissue is capable of producing its own um estrogen mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. utopic and ectopic sites. And I think that's what's that's where that wound that never heals comes into it. If those lesions are in the uterus, you will shed away that and pass it in your period. There's nowhere in those ectopic sites for that to go. So you can see how much inflammation that causes. Um, what I also find really interested, um, interesting with endo, progesterone can be relatively low in that luteal um, phase of the menstrual cycle and we can get into pathology, pathology later, but that's why we're generally doing some of those um, blood tests seven days after ovulation to check that estrogen, um, progesterone, Um, ratio um but something that i see in clinic um and it depends and this is more often than not most of my endometriosis clients have adequate or high progesterone Mm. so this is because the ovaries are like super organs because of everything that's going on with um endometriosis so um i think here just because we have High progesterone, and I'm one of those people. I have really good levels of progesterone, um, but it does not mean that we are receiving the benefit from that um, beautiful estrogen and what that has on um, the estrogens. Because of those receptors mm-hmm. um, in the endometrium, are basically overwhelmed with estrogen. So you've got all this kind of estrogen happening. You've got all this progesterone, but because there's too much estrogen, it doesn't even get to those cells where we where we want it to have those beautiful effects. Do you have you noticed that in clinic with your endo clients?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, they tend to be also the kinds of clients that if they've been on something like, you know, the oral contraceptive pill, they'll get a period straight back normally after coming okay. off it. Like they're not the ones that it takes months for it to come back. Like they're generally, their ovaries are working really well and there's there's no problems there in, in that sense. Um, and I guess like another symptom as well that I would tend to see is, um, like breakthrough bleeding on the pill as well that's often like a little red flag too but yeah I definitely agree um, I have seen one client um, a bit of an anomaly with very low estrogen levels who had endometriosis and that was yeah is interesting like walking a bit of a tightrope with that because she does have um, fertility goals so um, yeah it's Interesting. And I guess that's also the benefit of testing, right? Like we can't put everyone in a box and um, we always associate endometriosis with higher or expecting to see higher levels of estrogen or problems with clearance. But um, yeah, it's just not always the case.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I find it that that, that's so interesting because you know we associate it with that higher estrogen Mm. picture, but like you said, we can't put people in a box because everyone's like everyone's so different with their hormonal response, Mm. Um, and I think that's what you know brings us into the immune system too, because Mm. we have to look at the immune system um, dysfunction and dysregulation because of the chronic inflammation and oxidization that happens, um, and and how that progresses endometriosis endometriosis as well um and that's something where we go okay well we look at these immune cells the macrophages the natural killer cells the neutrophils and how they play a role in um angiogenesis did i pronounce it Mm. properly Mm -hmm. um with it because this is something that i i find really interesting as well they this is the formation of new blood vessels from existing vascular so this these these lesions are so specialized in in how they um what's the word i'm looking for in in how they basically interact with hormones the immune system and dysbiosis because Mm. they have their own um, vasculature they have their own um estrogen producing hormones Mm. like they're they're their own little in their own little world almost like detached from the body but obviously attached to the body Mm. so And these are responsible for secreting cytokines, which is the inflammatory response and regulation, um, which obviously affects the endometriosis environment as well. So uh, the immune system for me, when I'm supporting my clients with endometriosis, I'm really looking at what can I do to downplay the inflammatory response, but to support Mm -hmm. their immune system at the same time.
0: Yeah. 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 It's so true. Um, And obviously looking at the, Estrogen levels as well, first and sort of first half of the cycle and um, after ovulation. Do you ever use um, like Dutch testing, for example, to look at estrogen excretion, or do you find you can kind of get what you need from um, blood testing and just regular pathology?
1: Usually, I can get that all from regular blood pathology. However, if I get an anomaly or someone who mm-hmm. there's just so many other things going on in the picture, I'll do a Dutch for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, love methylation like we all do (laughs) and and we want to see what they're doing you know with that estrogen and if if it's going down that carcinogenic pathway yeah
0: yeah it's so important benefit testing we can get that level of detail um do you think that i mean do you think there's kind of like general principles that apply to endometriosis with from a dietary perspective that um you know All people with endometriosis can benefit from doing or do you think that there is you know obviously there's never a one-size-fits-all approach but do you think that there is still a lot of variation in that
1: it's a really good question and something i get asked a lot and something that i feel will sway from practitioner to practitioner um i'm very pro on the mediterranean style because we know how anti-inflammatory it is with essential fatty acids so i guess for me a lot of the dietary recommendations are reducing inflammation. So mm. a huge focus on those essential fatty acids and those omegas, those omega threes, um, instead of your omega sixes. Um, but then even for myself, I bring it back to me. Um, mm. cause I can't speak on everyone's behalf. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm strictly gluten free and cows dairy free because mm. they, uh, since I got my endo diagnosis, I would dabble in those foods since Coming off those foods, I have noticed a change—not in my endo, but in my constipation-dominant gut picture. Yep. Yeah. So this is where um, it's really interesting because majority of, again, I'm putting it under the umbrella here. Majority of endo sufferers do have that mm. IBS picture. Um, getting off gluten and cows' dairy and those inflammatory. Um, proteins that are associated with those mm. can really significantly help endometriosis sufferers mm. um a lot of people go down the low FODMAP route I just think mm. you know it's so restrictive and it's very hard so hard and that's the thing you see a lot of um practitioners saying get off red meat for endometriosis yeah. but what we're about the <laughs> yeah. mm. so again it's this Risk versus benefit analysis. Uh, you know, I get the um, inflammatory arachidonic acid pathway with mm. high consumption of red meat. However, if my client is so iron deficient, which majority of endo mm. sufferers are, mm. they bigger, um, I want them to be incorporating those foods into their diet, yeah. I, and I think they're more beneficial than taking them out of the diet. And we do uh, we we kind of mop up other areas, so to speak, in terms of um, anti-inflammatory foods. Yeah, yeah. Well, again i feel like it's case dependent um individual dependent um but a lot of the times my own clients really respond well to gluten and cow's dairy free goats and sheep's cheese totally fine yeah. um but just those two yeah yeah
0: yeah and like they're free i mean for the most part you might pay a bit more for like a good gluten free bread right but it's very different to um which often i think with endometriosis clients, we are using probably more supplements than we would otherwise. But um you know, they're strategies that, for the most part, don't cost you any money. And uh, you know, it's fairly—I mean, we can go into calcium and that kind of thing, but you know, relatively harmless to sort of remove at least one at a time and just see what response you get. And I think that's such a great point to pay attention to all symptoms in your body, right? Like it is it um the pain but also other things that you might notice like more the um, digestive symptoms improving even your things like your energy mental health mental clarity like there's lots of other things outside um of the endometriosis specifically that you could be looking even things like fatigue um and and even i guess just when you do tend to remove something like gluten from your diet, often that opens up spaces for more nutrient-dense foods to kind of flow in, right? So sometimes it's the removal of those foods, but then also the subsequent increase of things that are actually going to be more um, nutrient-dense for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think with the, just bringing it back to, you know, the dysbiosis of the gut microbiome, Mm -hmm. if we're not using our bowels every single day, we're never going to be out again on top of the pain. Like it's just we have to be using our bowels. We have to be excreting um, those estrogen metabolites and those hormone metabolites and that toxic waste matter. If we're constipated, um, and this is such a a big endo picture too, those are just going to be recycling through the body and causing those issues as well. So that's why it's really great to see when there are those dietary changes, made, like you just Mm -hmm. said, it, you know, people's skin might clear up too. That have endometriosis, like okay, yeah. I've gotten off the cow dairy, and then all of a sudden, you know, the acne is gone, or I'm using I'm that. Doing every day now, doing <laughs> <laughs> every day. I'm feeling vital. I'm feeling well. My PMS is reduced. Yeah, my hormonal headaches have gone. Um, you know, I'm not feeling um, depressed leading up to my bleed. I, I don't have that anxiety. So all those other things that we kind of. Put in another box from Endo. Mm. They're associated, extremely associated. They're all linked. Mm. Um, we notice those improvements with those dietary changes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know that's a great way of, I guess, reducing the extent of someone's symptoms across the month. Like looking at the month as a whole, and and if they've gone from like, as you said earlier, having that client where she was, um, they were in pain. You know, across the whole cycle versus maybe it being a week or a few days like getting that change um whilst still obviously in pain for a portion of the cycle is obviously a lot better we're looking for those improvements do you think or do you have clients where you are able to get them to a point where they almost wouldn't know that they have endometriosis anymore like i love this question
1: (laughs) Um, I have, there's probably a handful and I've got a lot of endo clients that are symptom free. Yeah. And for me as a practitioner, you know, I get emotional thinking about it because uh, obviously it's so close to my heart. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. You know, they're able to have sexual intercourse with their husband again, and there's no pain. Their relationship improves. They've gone on to have children, um, you can just see how much of an impact Mm. it has on their quality of life. And maybe the only sign and symptom they still have is, is maybe one day of heavy menstrual bleeding, but that has been significantly reduced. So they can wear one pad, two pads a day instead of going through a pad every hour. So yeah, there are so many success stories I think with the management Mm. of endometriosis as well. I guess I, you know, it's not all doom and gloom by any means. Um, And, that really elates me in clinic it really does yeah yeah
0: yeah definitely everyone's results are always so different um but it is amazing when you get those incredible success stories it's yeah really and,
1: and I think also even if clients are taking you know 15 pain medication a month even getting that mm-hmm. down to two two naprogesics a month just to get through work in case the pain comes for me that is a ginormous win for sure. um it's it's again just really assessing that um, scale of where they first started to where they're at now, but again, it might not change for everyone either. You know, yeah, so that,
0: that's realistic thing. expectations. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm conscious of your time, but I guess I'd love to just hear before we wrap up. Like, what are your pet peeves within the conventional kind of bottle of care, and what do you kind of wish like? All people with endometriosis would know.
1: Yeah, get a second opinion, third, yeah. fourth. If you are not happy and you are still experiencing your signs and symptoms, they've been brushed off or they've said, Had, "Take them, put the marina in, take their oral contraceptive pill." It's just heavy bleeding, period pain. Do not sit there and wait around because ten yeah. percent of people. Who are menstruating have endometriosis, but twenty to fifty percent of those get diagnosed with infertility when they're going for their infertility. Mm-hmm. So we know that ten percent is, is it's not right. That number yep. would be drastically higher, and it's because of this uh, gaslighting, I guess we we'll call it, uh, in the medical system of people not being heard. So get those opinions and keep going until you find someone that you're truly happy with. It's like, I always say to my clients, you wouldn't take your car back to the same mechanic if they kept doing a crappy job, would you? Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think we forget that we hire our health practitioners or we probably forget, I should say that we hire like our doctors and our gynecologists and that kind of thing. And we do have the option to find different ones and there are really good ones out there. Like there are, I have a handful of doctors that I work with and they're great. Like they're amazing. They get feedback from clients saying like, they really, they actually listened to me. I felt heard. They came back, you know, they even added a few things to the tests that you requested. Like yeah. they do exist. They might be few and far between, but they're definitely out there. Definitely, and
1: that's it. I think if you can find your people, and it's not just one. You know what I yeah, mean? It's for a sure. Chronic disease. It's a team. It's a yeah. team effort. Um, and again, like you've already said, if you're if someone who has done an internal ultrasound and said there's no endometriosis here, you, that is not a diagnostic. Mm. Um, the only way that is still gold standard. These the is laparoscopy, but there are there mm. are machines. Um, I think that are becoming more accessible that do pick up endo now um i don't know if they're being used um i think there is i can't remember which hospital but there is one on the there is one at one of the
0: hospitals on the gold coast now
1: yeah Mm. they're very few and far between from what Mm. i can gather. um but if you've just had a normal ultrasound and you believe you have endometriosis or any chronic pelvic pain for that matter i think laparoscopy is your only yeah only um real standard gold standard diagnostic tool which is invasive and the surgery I hated the surgery it was awful and my um, recovery was awful but then so many of my clients have had a really great recovery and surgery as well so again you want to have a really good excision excision surgeon to support you with that
0: yeah for sure well this hour has just honestly flown by (laughs) I feel like I could have kept I could have asked you about so many more things but um just to wrap up can you tell us where we can find out more about you, your clinic um, and, yeah, where you are online, all of that good stuff.
1: Absolutely. So I'm very heavily on Instagram, um, Catherine underscore hey underscore nutritionist is my Instagram account. Um, my clinic is Captured Nutrition with a K. Um, that's online and on Instagram. Um, that's where you can find me there. I also have a podcast with another nutritionist friend of mine, Shelly, called The No BS Approach to Motherhood, where we can you are interviewed on there all about postpartum, so you can listen to Selene on that. Um, and they are all the platforms
0: amazing i'll put all of those links in the show notes and yeah thanks so much for your time today and also thank you so much for sharing so much about your own personal story so openly i feel like um yeah it will just be so great for people to have a to that
1: thank you so much for having me selene i've really enjoyed it <laughs>
0: thank you for listening to this episode of holistic health chats if you enjoyed this episode i would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in itunes as this allows me to help more women just like you holistic health chats is not intended to replace medical advice so please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health If you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support, the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat. Please head to selendouglas.com forward slash book for more information.